It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from the Athletic. Here, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great formerly of WEI, now just a great Celtics Twitter poster and great Celtics podcaster. Kind of a totally understandable loss for the Celtics. 106, 102 to the Milwaukee Bucks. It felt at once frustrating, understandable. A lot of missed bunnies, some missed opportunities down the stretch. Never really had a great chance in the fourth quarter, but also had opportunities to give themselves a better chance. We'll talk about it all. Let's let's start with Giannis, his block. So Jalen Brown, about a minute left, goes in for a fast break layup. If he were playing against a mere human being, it he would have put the Celtics... Brought the Celtics within three points. Celtics would have had a shot. Instead, Giannis somehow pins it off the backboard without goaltending the shot. When when the ref made the final call, Jalen Brown was just looking around like, like really? <laughs> like how was that not goaltending? And it definitely wasn't goaltending. But also like the way it happened, anybody else, almost anybody else, it would have been a goaltend. So just just a ridiculous player from Giannis to kind of seal the game there. He's a freak. He's a Greek freak, and there's just, like, things he does on the basketball court that no other player can do, and just his athleticism is absolutely insane. And with all of that being said, I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job of containing him tonight. I feel like uh, earlier games in the season when they played the Bucks, we see Giannis go off for something around 40 and just be completely unstoppable and take over the game. And that's not to say Giannis didn't have a, a significant impact, but... He's averaging 27 a game this year. He only had 29. I didn't think he was dominant. It's just it really felt like the Celtics had zero chance on offense for the majority of the game tonight. And then when they did like create the good opportunities in the third quarter, they just missed everything. They had so many bunnies, so many there. I think they were one for seven from three. They shot something ungodly in the third quarter, but it just felt like the entire night. Um, their offense was not great. And that's to be expected when they literally had no point guards on the entire roster. Terry Rozier was out, which is actually surprising because you just don't expect him to miss games uh, at all. Literally the he first said, game he's he said, ever missed. Ever. And he said he was definitely playing the other night. Yeah. Or the I, other day in practice, right? I suspect that was mostly on the Celtics organization. Like, Rozier was probably pushing to play. Celtics were kind of like, let's just chill out, Terry. 
we've got enough injuries as it is. Let's just get you healthy for the playoffs. Let's make sure we get this group, whatever guys that could possibly be healthy, healthy for the playoffs. So I suspect that's more on them than on anybody else. Um, it was that set the set the path for Kadeem Allen to earn a start at point guard. Kadeem Allen, two way player, spent most of his time this season with the main red claws. Played 39 minutes before tonight on an NBA court, and everybody else on the Celtics was either injured or sick. Shane Larkin had been hospitalized. Kyrie Irving had knee surgery. Marcus Smart had thumb surgery. Terry Rozier. Missed a game for the first time in his entire life. So, Kadeem played. He was not a threat offensively. Made a couple good passes, I guess. Went one for four from the field. Zero for two. Couple bad misses from the arc. Had had a number of really good defensive plays. I thought he was okay. Not great. Not terrible. Considering what it was, what the situation was, the circumstance, who he is. I, I thought it was a... Pretty good showing from him over 23 minutes, but obviously they missed having a more dynamic playmaker at point guard. There's only so long you can go with point Horford or point Tatum or even I think we saw some point Moose tonight. It's just that you need to try, try and you need someone to get into your offense and be the main facilitator. And it just really felt uh, like the Celtics at some points that it's just offense was not it was not easy to come by um, and. Beyond that, they were relying just like a lot on Marcus Morris to create offense, and it's something he's been doing an amazing job of the last two weeks. Uh, but tonight was clearly an off night. Four of 16 shooting, um, one of six from three. He's really been great from three recently, but not tonight. Um, and so when you don't have a point guard, they I, I kind of felt like they would play more throughout Horford in the high post, but I didn't feel like they did as much of that. There's a lot of Morris and Tatum uh kind of isolation and that kind of makes sense given the guys you have left uh on the roster but Morris and Tatum didn't knock down a lot of shots and that's why uh it was especially just a low scoring game for the Celtics especially in that third quarter where they only scored 15 um the wild part is like like I feel like with all the shots they missed they should have been down by a lot more uh there's no reason they should have been like had even a chance to be in that game uh the Bucks did crazy things like stepping out of bounds. There's just some wild plays. The, the Celtics team is is just like incredibly unrelenting in the the way that they approach every single game. Even though, despite having injuries or despite having to play Abdel Nader 11 minutes a game, um, like they just keep fighting. So, to me, the I know you, you would the Celtics would have liked to have win this game to put themselves in a position to get first place by beating the Raptors uh, tomorrow night, but. Ultimately, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. Like, they're going to go into the playoffs. They still have a chance to beat the Raptors. It feels like the Raptors are not playing their best basketball lately. So if they beat them tomorrow night and then they can still gain a game on them with the remaining four, I don't know. I just – it's it's not something I don't uh, – the Celtics should worry about losing to the Bucks. I definitely was very amused by the Bucks ch- uh, fans chanting, Bucks in six, Bucks in six, which is the most Midwest modest chant I've ever heard before in my life. And it doesn't even make sense because I don't think the Celtics would play the Bucks right now. But also, like, why not in four or five? If Terry Rozier, if you put Terry Rozier on this team, I think the Celtics have zero chance or zero. Like, they're going to beat the Bucks. I just don't think the Bucks are that good because they could barely squeak past the Celtics with uh, just the roster the way it is now. 
NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. The <laughs> Bucks in six. Like, even even Bucks fans are like, we're going to lose two games. We're definitely going to lose two games. But, <laughs> but, but we Don't might. let us win one on the road, though. Then we might, got, we might have you. <laughs> but, we, but we might beat you anyway. Uh, yeah, that, that was a funny chant. I appreciated that chant. The Celtics, like you said, just... Ugly shooting night for them. They had been shooting really just outrageous from beyond the arc, like close to 50% for a while as a team. Terry Rozier, obviously a big part of that. He was out. Marcus Morris, obviously a big part of that. He went four for 16 from the field, one for six from behind the arc. Having Kadeem Allen as your point guard takes away a threat. He's not really a threat to shoot, and he's not really a threat to like break you down off the bounce either. So that, that hurt things a little bit. And... Brad Stevens played some just monster lineups, which I I kind of enjoyed. Uh, there was one stretch where it was Aaron Baines, Greg Monroe, I believe it was Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, and Semi and, and Ojale. The lineup with Jason Tatum was like the point guard and the smallest guy on the floor, and Jason Tatum's like six eight, six nine. Yeah, so there was definitely a Monroe, Semi, Morris, Horford, Tatum lineup. And it's just, it's absolutely absurd what the Celtics, uh, I can, I guess, or what Brad Stevens can get away with. This is the same guy who's run out like five point guard lineups. He's going to do five center lineups. I think he's just like, he had some sort of bet to see like what are the most ridiculous thing he could do. But um, the the reason they didn't win tonight is because the Bucks had figured out the 2-3 the zone. The way to beat it is to have Giannis take giant steps through it or just uh, pass it twice and knock down an open jump shot. And it took the NBA a couple of weeks to figure it out, the 2-3 zone, but um, it just it didn't save the Celtics tonight the way it has in the past. See, I didn't think the, the Bucks did a great job against the zone. They had the first three where I believe Bledsoe hit a three, and then they went scoreless like three times maybe, and they got saved by Giannis when 
Jalen was about to go in for a layup. I, I didn't feel like they attacked the zone perfectly. Maybe maybe I was wrong just, just watching it live. But it felt like after that initial Bledsoe 3, the Celtics actually did a pretty good job in that. Um, you know what? I was focusing on the results of the game instead of the process of the actual zone, and you're right. And that's why you make the big bucks, and that's why you got hired by the Athletic. for the for the because you had better observations than I did. I'm just a guy. You're Jay King, the kid of the Athletic.com slash Boston. I mean, I, I could be wrong. It it was in real time, um, but don't doubt yourself, Jay. Not when I give you compliments like that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I could still take you one on one though. Yeah, we got we got to set up this one on one match. Yo, I'm free Thursday, I'm free Friday, I'm free Saturday, and I'm free Sunday, all day, open to get buckets, um, anytime you want it. Uh, you got you got a lot of free time on your hands, man. I got a flexible schedule, I can pencil you in. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, Jalen Brown, we'll, 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 we'll decide on a date off, off air, but it'll definitely happen. Yeah. That, that's a promise to the, to the people. We'll, we'll, let's film it. We'll, we'll find someone to film it for us. We should probably we talk. Should get Bobby Manning to do it just to see what a real basketball competition is like. Ooh, we don't. Ooh. Have, we don't have to throw him under the bus. We don't have. I to. just did. I'm sorry, Bobby. Shouts to Bobby. Good guy. Really good guy. Uh, Jalen Brown, 24 points, nine for 15 shooting. Played a little point guard that didn't always go well. The play that stands out to me, <laughs> the the play that stands out to me is when I think he was running a pick and roll, and he tried to find. I believe it was Ojale in the corner. And, and he passed it directly into Giannis's elbow. Yeah, and, and Giannis is well. First of all, Giannis like his arms just extend everywhere. But second of all, it was a bad pass. And my my literal reaction to that was to yell to my television. Uh, no one else is in the room with me. Damn, that was a bad pass. Like it just had a really bad angle. And I know Giannis is super long, but I just like saw that. I was like, that was a terrible decision. Yeah, it wasn't a great decision. Jalen Brown still still a really good game. Overpowered Jason Terry couple of times, hit one three ball, one out of three, drew seven free throws. Really just, for the most part, a really good game from him. Played 36 minutes, second to Al Horford on the team. He was he was really good. If, if they got more out of Morris, if they got more out of Tatum, they could have had a chance. And then they just allowed a million layups. The Bucks with 66 points in the paint, it was like, they were just getting whatever they wanted with with the way the roster is, with no Kyrie, no Rozier, no point guards. Period. You thought the one thing they should be able to do is defend because they have length and athleticism and strength basically everywhere. Um, I guess not always athleticism, given how many actual traditional bigs they have to play. But you think with all the size and and length that they have, they could get stops but that just wasn't the case the defense just wasn't there so I, I thought that was a little bit disappointing even with the skeleton roster uh how you expect the team to play obviously they just don't have nearly as much talent as they typically would they they were giving up a lot of layups to the milwaukee I thought Bucks. That the, the defensive problems was kind of an issue of just having too much size on the floor you had a lot of guy like the bigger guys guarding out on the perimeter I thought they were getting beat off the dribble and then causing a lot of help um, a lot of help defenders to come over, and those guys were just leaving. Like Those were the guys who were getting the layups. It wasn't the people who were initially driving. It was kind of the guys who were being helped off of. Um, and there was a lot of times where they did a good job of – the Bucks give them credit for, uh, for cutting to the hoop and doing a lot of back cuts and just being active along the baseline. But 
it felt like a lot of times Celtics, uh, the guys on the perimeter were getting beat off the dribble and then the whole kind of defense broke down. So I think, again, that's just a product of not having fast enough, quick enough guys to like kind of get into the basketball and deter Bucks drivers. But you're right. I, it wasn't the best defensive performance. Like it was, they didn't win the game because of their defense, but I didn't, I just, I don't think they were that bad. There's no, you don't want those points in the paint, but I, I think it really comes down to the, the shitty offense, especially in the third quarter. Yeah. The third quarter offense was bad. Second quarter, five turnovers that hurt them. Milwaukee got a lot of points in transition. I don't have the exact number on that. It says they had 14 fast break points, but those can be misleading in the box score. Felt like they were getting a lot of leak outs, a lot of, a lot of layups before the Celtics were able to get back and get set. Uh, Scout made an interesting point on the broadcast that a lot of the times it's the point guard's job to get back in defense, and the Celtics don't have anyone who normally plays point guard. So guys were crashing when they shouldn't be crashing, which is an interesting observation. I don't know if, if that's exactly what happened, but there was definitely some bad floor balance at times. Uh, to give up 54.4% shooting, just ugly, ugly, ugly. Bledsoe was 8 of 9. Tyler Zeller with two huge putbacks that... The man's got soft hands. Tommy Heinsohn will tell you. The man's got soft hands. Soft. He knows where to be. Yeah, but you know, if there's one thing the Celtics should be able to do with their lineup right now, it's rebound the basketball. They're, they're huge. They have Greg Monroe. They have Aaron Baines. They have just massive people everywhere. Uh, but Zeller tracked down two putbacks that were important early in the fourth quarter that kind of kept the Celtics at bay. Tatum had some really impressive plays. The pull-up three at the end of the first half, which was kind of wild. Could have definitely passed for a layup, but whatever. Let it fly, Rook. Splashed it. And who else had... Nader's dunk, man. That was... That was a highlight yeah, of Nader's Nader season. had a nice little sequence there to two or three plays, strung them together there. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that was that one. Yeah, he hit a three and then just drove in and threw the hammer down. Naderade, baby, I'm drinking that Naderade. He's a he's a he's a pretty swell offensive player. It's just all the other parts of his game that are frustrating. But he's not afraid to attack. He's he's all pretty much always in attack mode, um, and you got to respect him for for it. Uh, I thought Tatum, this is like exactly what you would expect from Tatum um, if he was playing on a team where he was the primary option. He shot, he was 5 of 13, um, shot a lot, eight threes tonight. He ended up with 20 points, but it wasn't the most efficient. But he still had flashes where he did some really cool things off the dribble, and you, you know that he's going to be a, a dynamic scorer for years to come. But when he's the sole option, um, he's clearly just not going to be as efficient. Now, the th- the question is, uh, if you add Terry Rozier and Sugar Shane Larkin to this roster, and then the Celtics end up playing the same Bucks team in the playoffs, you'd still favor the uh, the Celtics in that scenario, right? Yeah, I I think so. I, I don't think the Bucks are that good. I don't. I think the Bucks are the worst out of the the bottom three teams. I think of the Wizards with John Wall, the Heat, who always play their asses off, and then the Bucks feels like it's just Giannis, and then a bunch of guys who might like. Middleton and Bledsoe might show up, and then the rest are just basically question marks. So you have Jason Terry, you have Jet, who I'm a I'm a I'm a Jet fan, but he should not be playing 20 minutes a game when he's 55 years old. He, this is true. Oh, uh, he, he somehow extended that career. He's he was he he was washed up when he played for the Celtics 
he was in 2012-2013 and somehow is still playing shout shout out to him because he must keep his body in great shape he must work his balls off to still have a role at his age so i gotta have a lot of respect for jason terry you know what i'm disappointed in is that terry rozier didn't let brandon jennings play tonight you, that's your guy, man. Brandon Jennings is is definitely your guy. For those who who haven't been listening to the podcast for too long, Brandon Jennings has blocked Sam on Twitter. Right? Am I right about that? No, I'm just uh him and Tito got in a beef in the Wizards series, and ever since uh, I've been uh, I've been on record calling Brandon Jennings a bum and have been an anti Brandon Jennings. Like I've tried to make us a pretty strong anti Brandon Jennings podcast. And at some point, we determined that Terry Rozier uh, gets 30% of Brandon Jennings' contract. But, uh, no, I'm just anti-Brandon Jennings. I think he's a, a, a trash player. So Brandon Jennings did block me on Twitter. I don't know why. Oh, see, there you go. You're projecting, man. <laughs> I, I, did not, I did not say anything outrageous. I reported facts. I uh, probably stated that the Wizards were like minus 300 during that series with him on the court. But at some point during that series, Brandon Jennings blocked me. I, I don't know why. Well, you should be on board with the being an anti-Brandon Jennings podcast. I know you're uh, a journalist and need to be objective. I, but I, I, don't, I don't hate people for blocking me. I. That's true. Uh, Mook Morris has me blocked, and I, I love Mook Morris. <laughs> yeah, even after a 4 for 16 showing. Uh, Greg, Greg Monroe, I, he missed some bunnies, man. Gre- Greg Monroe could have had a big game. He. He ended up four for nine. He was wide open so many times. He was dancing against Greg Monroe or against Tyler Zeller, rather. He got Zeller once. He got Zeller got got with the, the dipsy do the up up and down. It's kind of like how I'm going to work you in the post. Um, I'm like a Kevin McHale um, down there. Yeah, yeah. For those who have seen Sam play, he is uh, very much not, not like Kevin McHale. <laughs> 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 I was about five five until I was eighteen years old, so I never developed any post moves. So that's actually uh, the opposite thing from the truth. I I hope to beat you with sheer effort alone. I feel like my game's like Marcus Smart, and your game's more like uh, Kelly Olynyk. The Kelly Olynyk. Uh, I, I think you're a little bit taller than me, and you can shoot better than I can. But uh, the rest, I'm uh, I, I have heart. I've never been been compared to Kelly Olynyk before. Uh, you're white. And uh, you have long hair sometimes, so it feels like a pretty good comparison. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, one thing that seems wor- worth <laughs> pointing out, I'll, I'll move on from my white and longish hair comparison to Kelly Olenek. One thing that's worth pointing out, Jason Tatum, eight three-point attempts, the most of his career. Used to be used to be six, so... Ooh, two above. Getting real frisky tonight. Yeah, high usage Jason Tatum is... He's changing a little bit. He's he's trying new things. He's developing a little bit. So five for thirteen, not great, but drew drew eight free throws, took eight threes, had three steals, had a huge block at the end that didn't turn into anything because Giannis erased Jalen Brown's attempt at the other end. But I mean, he's he just always does really good things, even when he struggles, even when he doesn't have a great game. Like he just he wasn't that great. Ended up with twenty. Three steals, just really, really impressive stuff. The Celtics had no ball handling though. It was their their offense was was really bad in stretches, and but that even that like they scored enough to win. They just could not get stops. 
the stops just weren't there. And, Not at the end. And it's too bad because the Raptors lost. Celtics could have could have controlled their own destiny after tonight with a W, but no, well, no the more. Raptors still have. Let me pull up their schedule. They still have a game against the Pacers, um, and then a game against the Heat at the end of the season, where the Heat could be trying, depending on playoff positioning. So if the Celtics take care of business against the Raptors tomorrow, there's there's still a chance at the one seed, um, but. Even with all that being said, there's like no real way to control. Like, yes, you can control your, I guess, your own destiny and get the one seed, but there's a chance that Cleveland drops to the four and you don't want to be the one seed. Or there's a chance that, like, you have no idea really where the six through eight teams are going to play. So it's not like by being the one seed, you can guarantee your, uh, your opponent or anything like that. It really just only guarantees you that in a hypothetical series between us and the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, Game Seven would where Game Seven would be. But I think it's like it because there's no other storylines. I feel like it's very easy to get caught up in like who the matchup's going to be and trying to control your play for who the matchup is going to be. But really, you, there's so many other factors and so many other teams playing that it feels kind of impossible to control. So. Um, I just don't think getting the one C is like the biggest deal in the world at this point. Of course, you would like ideally want to, I guess, avoid the Cavs um, until the Eastern Conference Finals. But if you're going to make it to the finals, which I think I would be the goal of the team, uh, you're going to have to beat the Cavs eventually. So why not beat them in the second round or beat them in like but- – if you beat the Cavs in the second round and then reach the Eastern Conference Finals – I still think that's like a pretty successful playoff run given all the injuries that the Celtics have. Yeah, but I think – you would rather play the Cavs later if you have to, or play better I mean, competition in terms of later. Health, push that would it make off. The most amount of sense. Yeah, because yeah. Kyrie's not going to come back at the start of the playoffs. Marcus Smart probably can't come back until the second round. He could need a little while to get back into rhythm. Kyrie could need a little while to get back into rhythm. He might not be 100% right away. So there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of guys coming back, a lot of guys that are going to need to get back to full health. Um, so I think. I mean, to me, the the one seed is, is most important to avoid Cleveland. And I, I know Philly's been great. I know Ben Simmons. They've won 11 straight, man. I know Ben Simmons is fantastic. Wild. I know Joel Embiid is really tough to stop. I just think it's LeBron. And LeBron, everybody's seen what his teams have done the last seven years. And to me, you know, Ben Simmons, he's a rookie. Joel Embiid never played in the playoffs before. That that team to me feels like it's not as good as <laughs> as LeBron in the playoffs with Kevin Love by his side. I, I just I just don't see how you'd rather face the 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 Sixers, and I, I think it's a big deal to push off the Cavs <coughs> meeting as long as possible until you get healthy. But Celtics may not but have like, a the same chance thing to do happened- that the season before and it's just like then they got their asses kicked by the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals like uh do you think this team given the injuries given where you don't really know where Kyrie is going to be if he comes back or what what Marcus Smart's going to be like do you think this team can beat the who who I think is the best player ever uh playing 45 minutes a game and just like having such a significant impact do you think the Celtics this Celtics team um, kind of with the unknown injuries, can beat the Cavs team as currently constructed. I don't think the Cavs are great. So, but it's LeBron playing for it. Like that's what happens in the playoffs. It's just like okay, they're going to get LeBron. Uh, he's going to dominate 
the entire game because that's what he does. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, it'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see what level the Cavs reach. It'll be fascinating to see if the Raptors can stay at the level they've been at throughout the regular season. It'll be fascinating to see who the hell will be out there for the Celtics <laughs> and what kind of form they they take and how many points they can score in a playoff atmosphere. So there's just a lot going on in the Eastern Conference. A lot, a lot to be said. Like how good are how good will Simmons and Embiid be? Will their inexperienced show, or is that team built for a playoff run this year? I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of – it feels like the Eastern Conference is really unsettled. I do think Toronto's still my favorite, but it's hard not to put LeBron in that slot. And the I don't st- believe in Toronto. I don't believe in the bench mob in the playoffs. It felt like in that game against Saturday night, the, the, the Raptors bench just came up small, and uh, especially on the road in the playoffs, and I'm entirely basing this off of the Celtics-Wizards series last year where – the Celtics bench couldn't hit any shots in Washington, and the Washington bench couldn't hit any shots in Boston. And that's my entire sample size for this uh, grandiose point. I just don't believe like, like you can't rely on a bunch of bench players in the playoffs. Like They're going to be playing against better talent because they're going to be going against the starters more. And there's a reason why they're bench players. They're just not as, as consistent. The defense gets tougher. And I, if the Raptors' there's like entire plan is just to kind of continue rolling 10 deep and having this great bench unit, I just don't think that's like a, a recipe for success in playoff basketball. You need your stars to step up. And Kyle Lowry, who blatantly just like went to go party with Villanova and then just played terribly against the game and against the Cavs tonight, uh, him and DeRozan do not have a great playoff history. Uh, I think if you ask Raptors fans, they'll tell you about that. <laughs> Kyle Lowry, they, they don't have a great playoff history, but again, they've always lost to LeBron. Like, uh, you could say the same thing. You know who also doesn't have a great playoff history? Al Horford, especially against LeBron. Yeah, but I mean, Al's Al's gone to the Eastern Conference Finals twice, maybe three times. Like Al's The common a- factor here is LeBron James is quite good at basketball, and uh, I don't know if he can be stopped in the playoffs because for the last seven years, uh, he hasn't been until the finals. And then sometimes he even wins in the finals, you know? It's crazy. There... There's a lot going on in the Eastern Conference. We'll leave it there. LeBron's brilliance, Celtics, Celtics stubbornness, Raptors' new style, Phillies' young studs, the East. Do the whole conference, man. Go on. What about the Pacers? I I I don't I can't even make something interesting up about the Pacers. Oladipo's rise to stardom. Oladipo's emergence as a playoff superstar. <laughs> Can the Wizards make a run with John Wall back? Can the Bucks and Giannis uh, really say that he's an MVP contender? Can Kelly Olynyk lead the Miami Heat? We got storylines, folks. Storylines for days. The NBA Eastern Conference, where you go <laughs> tune in to watch basketball. I don't think we're going to get any better than that. Let's end it there. Anybody who does not subscribe to us, search for Locked On Celtics. Wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else. We are. The- oh, before we go, before we go, I have to mention that Tatum did the Yabu Dab tonight. Um, I wouldn't be a proud member of Jam's Junk Drawer and the Raining Junk Army without mentioning uh, someone doing the Yabu Dab. Uh, he did it a little bit differently. Didn't shoot the arrow, just kind of like threw the arrow out of its holster and then dabbed. But uh, that needed to be brought up on the podcast. I'm sorry. That was no. That, that was that was a worthy worthy interruption. <laughs> I don't I don't even know where I was. But search for Locked On Celtics. 
We are the only Celtics podcast that's Monday through Friday daily. We are the greatest Celtics podcast ever created. And we're done with this episode of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, Millie's. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.